on my walk today, I think that the Holy Spirit helped me answer some things that I was kind of ruminating in my mind about coaching, about my life, about helping people, about my life purpose, you know, all these sort of existential angsts that we have. And I'm very grateful, honestly, that I I don't really have these existential angsts anymore. I mean, I used to, when I was very much involved with personal growth, uh, and, you know, we can definitely expand on this today, but I was much more unhappy, you know, when I was doing all that personal growth and striving for the next level and, and you know, wanting to be a coach and being a coach and coaching people and wanting to be a better coach. And it's just so many rat races that we get into. It never, it never ends, you know, it never ends. And so when I rediscovered my faith, which so far as of the time of this talk hasn't been that long, you know, it's been a little bit less than a year, but it, it's been really a profound experience, a very, very profound experience and such that so many things just fall by the wayside that you realize, wow, these were total illusions. I wasn't free at all. You know, one of my biggest motivators in helping people, I, I was a professional athlete. I did, if you don't know, I, I did ballroom dancing for, <laughs> I don't know, 15 years. I still kind of do it for fun every now and then. But I was pretty hardcore, you know, I was competing professionally as a pro, I was competing with students, I was training average Joe people to be basically professional athletes. I mean, obviously professional means you're making money from it, but really, you know, training people who don't know anything about dancing to to do something very high level. And that's that's a real process, you know, and especially something subjective as dancing. It's uh, it's very frustrating when you don't have objectivity, and so my, why I bring this up, it's very relevant. So stay with me. Why I bring this up is, you know, it was often, very often, that you know you'd run into these coaching opportunities, right, as, as a dance teacher, because there is no finish line. You know, it's it's oh that girl's prettier than me, or oh they have a cooler choreography, and so. All these subjective things lead to so many internal spiritual problems, right? And, you know, at the time, this was many years ago, I, I started to realize, like, okay, this is not just about the dancing. Like, I am in a position to help people. And, of course, parallel in my life, I was doing personal growth, you know, like everybody. You know, it's a value that we have today in society, unfortunately. I'm going to say unfortunately and just stay with me because I will back that up. But unfortunately, and so everybody does it. Everybody thinks that that's what they need to do is personal growth. And so because I was into that, I started to develop sort of a very big passion that dancing, it wasn't about the dancing, it was about let me help you be free. Let me help you be free in your body so you can express yourself authentically and, you know, just be free of all these Things like comparing yourself unfairly or, you know, just these mental things that we get into, like, um, you know, you didn't, you didn't get first, you got third place, you know, who cares? The competition's over forever. It's gone in time. It's never coming back again. Never. Even if you got first, who cares? It's It's about the practice, right? And so all that stuff 
was what I did. And so my goal was to help people be free. And after I, you know, when COVID hit and I transitioned into more, you know, online stuff, I guess, which everybody did. And, you know, I got into health coaching. I got into more mindset, business, whatever. You know, it's just the same stuff all over again. But my goal was always to help people be free. That was my goal. You know, my goal was always to help people be free because I wanted to be free. That was a value in my life that was so important. I hated being bogged down by anything. I hated working for other people. I hated being told what to do. I hated, you know, I'm very independent minded. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the best way to be. Because certainly I've had to learn to be humble, to cooperate, to not judge. You know, it's still a practice for me every day. But in either case, you know, freedom was very important to me. And I thought that I was doing it right, you know. Uh, and it's it's really funny. And, and a lot of that, again, like I said, changed in the last year or so-ish, whatever. It depends on when you listen to this. But at the time of this recording, let's say that, in the last year or so, that's changed in such a way that you look back at what you did and you're like, wow, I was really deluded. And even though, you know, it felt real and, and that's an important point to bring up because just because something feel, you have emotions surrounding that something doesn't mean that it's the truth. Truth will set you free. And if you really care about freedom, then ultimately what you want is the truth. There's, there is no substitute for the truth. There's a lot of things that can make you feel free. You know, I, I've been in relationships that when you're in those relationships, you say, oh gosh, you know, we're going to be for, together forever. <laughs> How many times have we said that to ourselves? You know, we're going to be together forever. Oh my gosh, this feels so great. It must be love. And it's not love. You know, we don't even know what love is. You know, true love, the, the truest kind of love, agape love kind of love that God has for us. That's not even humanly fathomable. You know, we can we can think of it, we can kind of describe it, but dogs are maybe a good example of that. You know, even though of course that falls very short of any thing that God has for us, but dogs are a great example, right? I mean, they they don't hold grudges. They don't have you know, this premeditated story about you. They love you. You know, even if you, even if you hit them, man, dogs will forgive you and they'll come back to you. It takes, it takes a really wicked person, an evil person to, to make a dog come to hate you, you know? So that's, that kind of love is, you know, that's, you can't find that in people. And so we get these delusions because of our feelings. And that was, that was the case with personal growth, you know, because part of it is this illusion of productivity that we fall into. And one of the things that we get sucked into when when it comes to personal growth. So now, you know, these, these are some of the things that I learned that, like I said, the Holy Spirit inspired me to share with you today. So if you are in personal growth, if you're a coach, if you are a person that does lots of personal growth, um, you know, I'm, I'm not chastising you because I made a career out of this stuff. So, you know, I'm not coming at you like that. However, uh, it is an illusion. And and because my life is motivated by truth today, it is important for me to 
help other people who were in my position, who also were part of those things, to realize, like, this is not what you think it is. Okay, because there's a very real reason why you do need to realize it's an illusion. And one of the reasons is, one of the big reasons is, which I was just about to say, which is that it keeps you in the material world. Personal growth shackles you to the material world, whether you realize it or not. It shackles you to the material world. And, you know, one example is actually, it's an easy example, it's this example of productivity. Like when I used to go to, you know, these conventions, you know, personal growth conventions and seminars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, people would talk about, like, let's say it was a very business focused thing. They would talk about productivity, right? And how many people fail because they engage in the wrong type of actions, right? For, for the business. Like, you know, if you have a business, you probably know what I'm talking about, which is like, okay, you, know, you can make a to-do list of a hundred useless things, but how many of those things actually directly contribute to you generating money. And that's an important thing, right? Because if you have a business, it's so easy to say, oh, you know, I made a post on Instagram or, you know, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Make your list of useless things that you that you do with your business, you know, or, you know, I wrote a template for something or whatever, you know, some things that we do to keep us busy or to give us this illusion of activity and momentum. When in reality, it doesn't do anything. It really doesn't. I mean, it doesn't bring in new business. So a lot of times when you do business coaching for people or when you take business coaching, it's it's learning, you know, what are the things that are actually productive? Meaning, what are the things that are directly tied to the outcome, to the profit, right? And what are the things that are not by extension so I can cut them out? And so that's a very normal thing right meaning you can see that for yourself you don't need to be super religious to understand the difference between real productivity and the illusion of productivity well now take yourself outside of that model take yourself outside of that business model and broaden your view to life as a whole okay broaden your view to life as a whole and realize that in the greater scheme of things, there is spiritual productivity and productivity in the material world. Let's put it that way, material productivity, right? And so the question is, which one is really more important? What are the things that I need to do to truly be productive? And that, that question, very few people answer for themselves. And especially not in personal growth, because personal growth is concerned with creating material results. No matter how you slice it, whether you're talking about self-actualization, uh, transcending to your higher self, creating a legacy, you know, living in contribution. Look, I've smoked these lines a hundred times, okay? However you want to slice it, it can sound and feel great and it can have inspirational music behind it. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's an outcome in the material world. And so the question is, is that really productive? And well, the answer is no. When you really know the truth, the answer is no, it's not. The material world is meaningless. I mean, yeah, sure. It's, it's beautiful in some sense because God created it, but 
you know, if you go one step further, God didn't create the world that we have today. That's man's fault. God created an infinitely better version. Boy, would I would have loved to be a fly on that wall when Adam and Eve were around just to see the original perfect template. Because the world we're in now is a world that has been plummeted into this momentum, this unraveling momentum because of ego, because of man's selfish nature and pride, because he thinks he's God. Because he believes that he is in control. And so you look at the effects of that belief, the fruits of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Of knowing that you can be like God, that you can make the best choices for the world, for yourself, which is what the whole personal growth movement is based on, that you are the one that's responsible. You're the author. You've got to take responsibility. You've got to, you've got to be the creator of your life. You have to be the alpha and the omega. You're the starter. You're the finisher. You know, it's, it's that whole mentality. Well, look at what that mentality's brought us. You know, it's plainly evident. It's this focus on self. And look, you can dress it up. You know, we can dress it up. The mind is a fascinating thing, isn't it? I mean, the mind is an endless source of fascination, both in its ability to create beautiful things and especially, I believe, in its ability to be self-destructive. I mean, it truly is just a fascinatingly self-destructive thing. And one of those things that's the most self-destructive is how we seduce ourselves. Personal growth is good at helping you identify negative behaviors, for sure. You know, I'm not saying all personal growth is bad, but I'm talking about, you know, the kind of practice of personal growth. I'm talking about the underlying belief systems. I'm talking about, you know, what are the assumptions that you take on when you buy into this idea that you constantly need to reach a new level what are the assumptions that you buy into when you you know buy buy into the idea that you are the creator of your life that you are the author i mean there's some very serious problems with that when you really break it down because the reality is the facts are that we don't have control over everything you know we don't have control over really anything <laughs> i mean that's a topic for another day, but we don't really have control over very much. We can observe, we can interpret, but even that, you know, is up for debate. And so it, it's an illusion, this whole idea that you are the creator of your life, even taking responsibility. I mean, it, it completely negates the factor of the divine in your life, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the being that is super intelligent, that created everything, that is guiding everything towards its amazing and beautiful and harmonious conclusion. And it ignores that, you know, because again, I, I think that personal growth has something to sell, especially in the last, gosh, I mean, whatever, 30, 40 years with people like Tony Robbins. And again, I'm not saying these people are, have a malicious intent necessarily, but you know, I don't know them personally, but either way, you know, it's an illusion because part of it, that illusion is they have to maintain, you know, a business. I mean, let's put it that way, right? I mean, if I told you, listen, let go and let God, that's all I have to sell. I don't have to sell you any program. You got to just develop your relationship to God and live a moral life 
so that you can allow that relationship, that energy, that Holy Spirit, which knows much more than you about anything and who knows what you need to do, what you need to do next, what you need for your life, allow that spirit to work through you. You know, when we're immoral, we don't allow the spirit of the creator to work through us. And that's the whole point of living a moral life, or at least one of them, I should say. The other is because we genuinely love to do that and it's rewarding and because it sets us free. Right? So, so if I tell you that, I'm not really selling you anything. I'm selling you, you know, your own responsibility, but in a very different way. You know, it's not... See, this is where they get you. Again, these are these half-truths that get you really excited. Uh, and then they kind of pull a fast one on you. You know, so it's like, if I tell you, listen, let go and let God. You need to develop a, a relationship with God. He'll take care of the rest. Try to live a moral life. Let go of material distractions. Let go of temptations. And the rest is going to happen in a perfect way. Well, yeah. Am I selling your responsibility? Absolutely. But there's no way for me to monetize that for my own gain. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm still selling you your own responsibility. We are responsible. But, but the way the personal growth movement sells you that responsibility is... You're, you can do it. You're the only force in this equation. So buy my 10 step program or, you know, do this course or here's the secret knowledge that I obtained and I'm selling it to you for $9.99. I mean, it's just all nonsense. You know, it's all worshiping the guru instead of worshiping God and allowing him to work through your life. God is omnipresent. Gurus are not. You know, and so this is this is how we delude ourselves, and this is why I realize personal growth is is an illusion. I mean, we you know we think we're so clever, we think we're so clever, and we're reinventing the wheel here about how to achieve whatever we want to achieve. But really, it's it all starts with the basics. You know, as long as you operate in this world of self where you're interacting in the material world, trying to create material results and solve your problems with more material results, it's it's never ends. It's never going to save you. It'll never save you from that mind, that self-destructive mind. Because the material world and the spiritual world are opposing systems. And so the question is, how do we then connect to the spiritual world. How are we spiritual? How can we grow? You know, what do we want? What do you truly want? Well, I argue that all of us want to be free. But true freedom doesn't come from doing more stuff in the world or obtaining more stuff or obtaining new challenges or, you know, traveling. I mean, sure, all those things are things we should experience, but they're not sources of true freedom. When you base your life on this personal growth thing, it's a works-based system right what does that mean works-based well it's just like karma it's just like reincarnation it's like all of these things that basically enslave you it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's personal growth if it's karma if it's reincarnation you know if it's different layers of a secret society all these things are the same general thought paradigm that if you're christian jesus came to invert and shatter his gift is free. 
it's a free gift. All you have to do is accept it and have faith. And when you have faith, you humble yourself, and that's when you taste true freedom. Because there's nothing you can do to work your way out of the reality of being human. That's that's really what it comes down to. Look, I mean, however you want to cut it, human beings die. That's unarguable, right? Except in the case of Jesus, he rose from the dead. But for the rest of us, we're bound by death. And we're also bound to a life of suffering. And so your answer to that, you are not capable. I'm saying you as an individual, me as an individual. We're not capable of saving ourselves from those two problems. We're just not. No matter what you do, you could be the richest person on earth. You can't escape death. (laughs) Right? And with suffering, well, guess what? I've met plenty of wealthy people, especially in my heyday when I was teaching ballroom dancing. It was a very luxurious sport. You know, a lot of wealthy people could afford it, obviously. So, you know, I met a lot of wealthy people that were in agony over just stupid things, you know, because they hadn't, some people I've met, they were they had inherited money. And in many ways, it was a curse than a blessing. Yeah, I mean, because the, the true wealth in life is spiritual in nature. So the point is that suffering and death are unavoidable. So what's your answer to those things? Well, personal growth is not going to do anything because you always have to work to maintain whatever it is you're trying to do, right? So you can never work enough at something. You, you never get there because there's always another level. And so you're always caught in this momentum. You're not free in personal growth. Right? And so when I realized that, I realized that, man, I, I really was off on that. You know, I was really off on that. And so the question is, well, you know, what do you do now? I, I like working with people. You know, I like uh, helping people out. But I've realized, you know, wait a minute. Who am I to give you advice? Right? It's another thing. That we, we think we're so clever we, to give somebody advice on their life. I can help you, you know, with health stuff, right? Because health is different. Health is a thing that you can measure for the most part. But, you know, when it comes to success or happiness or spirituality, all these different things like that we search for, that we yearn for, you know, mankind is a spiritual creature. And that's because a being who is spirit created us. And unless you acknowledge that, you're going to spin your wheels with so many different theories and attempts at answering that question that don't lead you to the truth. And so you just keep spinning and spinning and you're never really free. And I'm telling you that authentically because I was there. I had so many wild theories about you know, my life and consciousness and my purpose and but I was never really free and happy. I was never really at peace because none of those things as fanciful as they are, none of them actually address our creation, our purpose, our problem of being self-aware. Because you see, self-awareness is is a real problem. It is a real problem. That's why so many people get coaching today because self-awareness, we have lost our... You know, back in the day, I guess, I don't know whenever the day was, but certainly before the current time, we had 
concise and clear roles in society. Whatever your thinking on that is, the point is that we had concise and clear roles. We had gender roles. We had, you know, a certain way that you'd go up through life. And I'm not saying it was perfect, but the point is, is that self-awareness needs discipline, right? It needs rules. It needs guidelines. Otherwise, self-awareness just runs amok because the only being that could be self-aware and not self-destruct is God because God is perfect in every aspect. But he made us in his image, right? To have self-awareness. He made us to have self-awareness so that we could share in the joy of life with him, to know that we know, to know that we know that he created us. That's the true, that's the true joy, right? But there's a huge cost to that. There's a huge cost to being self-aware, which is all of this angst that we have, all of this spiritual misplacement that we have, this feeling of being lost without having a purpose, with, you know, feeling lackadaisical or bored or, you know, anxious, you know, all these things really, you don't need a life coach for that. You don't need life coaching. There's already been the perfect example. And for Christians, you know, I'm a Christian, that's Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless life, a perfect life. And the, the more you learn about his life and the, the parables that he taught, the examples that he gave, and his own life as an example, you see that there's so much profound wisdom that no man can come close to that. Right? So you come, I come back to that. And I'm saying, well, you know, who am I to give you spiritual advice? Who am I to give you advice on your life? Right, and, and that's that's a fundamental flaw, I think, of the personal growth industry. That everybody's a coach now. Everybody and their mother is a coach. You know, and again, certain things, you know, like very, like for example, um, fertility training or something like that. You know, that's that's fine. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about <laughs> life coaching. You know, you go on Instagram and you see these teenagers that are like 19, 20 years old, and they're like a success coach, and it's like, come on, man. I mean. Who are you to, to say that? I mean, it's just to me that that's the perfect example of the hubris and the self-destructive self-awareness, pride, paradigm, having a heyday, you know, is this whole personal growth industry and the life coaching. Again, it's like, who am I to give you advice when the advice was already given? My job is just to help point you to that advice. It's timeless, man. I mean, it's really timeless. And and so, you know, that was a big change for me from this whole idea of personal growth and the new age. I mean, the new age is the same thing. It really is. You know, personal growth is very much concerned with the material world through putting you on this rat race of, of constantly achieving. And yeah, does it feel good to achieve? Of course it does. Of course, we have dopamine, you know, and serotonin and all these chemicals that God gave us to feel good about achieving things. And that's normal. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. But the question is, is that the truth? That's the question. Doesn't it, The question is not, does it feel good? You know, it's the paradigm is not pleasure versus pain. It is truth versus lies. And when you live by that paradigm, then you you start to see certain things that maybe feel good that they're not really the truth right and so 
just because it feels good doesn't mean it's the truth. And so with personal growth, it very much wraps you into this world of creating constant achievements and contribution. And, and sure, all those things, again, they're good, but you are missing the point in the process because while you're doing that, you're also training yourself or I should say seducing yourself with this idea that you're the creator, that you are at cause, that you are the one responsible, that you got to take action. And that's like 1% of the truth. The only actions, you know, to be productive, this is how it all started, right? We were talking about productivity. To be productive spiritually is to be grateful, to be humble. How many times do we, does the personal growth industry teach you to be humble? Well, not too many because personal growth is not based on humility. If it was, then it wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar industry. All right, so to be productive, and this is something I'm still working on considerably (laughs) because I got really good at being productive. I got really good at creating tasks and, you know, okay, let's do this little thing. Let's do that. And even if I was coaching people, okay, let's do, you know, let's do these five things and okay, do some reps of that or listen to this piece of content, whatever, you know, even with yourself. But in the end, what really changed, right? What really changes in your life when you do that? Tell me what, what really changed. And the answer most of the time is nothing. You, You learn some new thing and it gives you a little breakthrough, but have you worked on being more grateful? Did you listen to a nice piece of content, you got super motivated, but then you got in a fight with your uh, you know, partner or your parents or your siblings, and you still haven't let go of the judgment that you put on them, right? You know, so that's, really, that's the thing is, did we really be productive that day? Just because you listened to your audio, you know, to five audiobooks that month doesn't mean that you were a morally upright, righteous person. You know, it doesn't mean you were grateful doesn't mean you were generous, doesn't mean you were kind and patient and humble. I mean, this is really what we're productive about, right? And when you do those things, it leads you back to the truth. And you start to see through the veil, through this veil that's so convincing of the material world. And it's many, many illusions that feel good and they look shiny, but they lead you to a dead end. They lead you to either worshiping yourself, which is the personal growth movement, Uh, The New Age movement, like I said, same thing. I was super involved in New Age. I mean, more involved than many people. Name it, and I've practically tried it. You know, seances, readings, meditation, transcendental meditation, kundalini yoga, uh, you know, I mean, crystals, spirit guides, you name it, man. It's, I've been there. And again, if you do those things, I don't judge. I've been there and I see it now for what it truly is. It's a false path. There's a lot of occult things in the new age. And sadly, a lot of people don't realize its roots in Satanism and the the main people who influenced were all Satanists, Luciferians. And what is that, that whole belief system about? Well, it's about worshiping yourself. You're the God, you know, and, and that has been repackaged with, you know, ascend, you know, to your divine nature and and contact your higher self and all of these different things. But it's all, again, you're turning to yourself to save you from being human. And nobody can do that. Nobody can do that other than Christ and his example of living humbly and living in constant communication with God, constant surrender to God. You know, I read today, I didn't even know this, 
but I read today, you know, it's just funny how these things come into your life when you're open to them, but you know, you read the, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus was betrayed. And it's such a profound prayer that he, you know, or I, more like an account, I shouldn't say really a prayer. I mean, he prays three times, but he prays three times to God to say, listen, please deliver me from this situation so I don't have to experience it. If, but if it's in the works, if it's in your plan, then thy will be done. Right? So that's just such a profound example to me is that, you know, Jesus lived in constant communion with God and in constant surrender with the Creator. And so when we live like that, we live a humble life. We don't live this life of, well, it's just me. It's me that's experiencing everything. I am everything. That's just the, the ultimate spiritual narcissism. And it can make you feel good, but when you encounter suffering, when you encounter death, when you encounter loss, when you encounter these things that humble you, those belief systems go out the window because there is nothing that's, if you are the ultimate end, then there's nothing that's going to save you when those things happen. Who are you going to turn to? Your higher self? BS. I call BS. And I've been there, like I said. But, you know, this is the thing. When you keep God close during your successes he's going to be there during your failures I mean he's always there it's just our decision whether we want to turn our backs or not and so you got to keep God close through humility and during your successes and your joys and your day to day life not get too materialistic and then when you inevitably have to deal with the human condition just full of death and suffering he's gonna be right there with you because you've remembered him but if you ignore him and you and you get lost in this material world and you're doing all this constant action items and, and really thinking you're productive but not and and getting into worshiping nature you know worshiping the creation or worshiping yourself which is what these practices lead you to they're very heavily intertwined with either self-worship or worshiping of the creation, which neither of the two can save you. Mother Earth is not going to <laughs> save you when there's death and suffering. You know, and it's Mother Earth to me is is a uh, it's another whole another topic. But listen, you have a father, and that's God. And there's a very you know God is beyond gender. Let's put it this way. But there's a very important reason why. He was revealed as a male because masculine means authority. It's somebody that you have to obey. Yes, God is a God of love, but that's not all he is. You know, people, he's even in the Christian belief system, that, you know, they see Jesus as sort of this new age Jesus. You know, and that's why, again, it's another problem with, with today's, I want to say personal growth because it's fusing with the new age movement. Everything is fusing into one world religion. You got you, people need to wake up. It's all fusing into this one belief system. That's all new agey, personal growth, self-worship, love is love. Love is the religion. That's nonsense. People it's nonsense. Tolerance is not love. Acceptance is not love. You know, that's true. Love is so incomprehensible that we can't understand. You know, if you take tolerance and you make that your your motto, then where do you draw the line? 
right? And it gets uncomfortable, but you know, can, can men love children? Is that what we're talking about? You know, so ultimately tolerance is not a measure for love. The truth is the measure. And if we use the truth, then a lot of those things would fall by the wayside and we see how ridiculous they are. But that's a topic for another time. You know, the point is that this whole love is love, you know, love, love, everything's all about love. It ignores the, the important aspect of God, which is obedience. That's the whole point. You know, it's love is great. But love can't be just love, free love, and all this kind of stuff without restraint because we confuse love. We're all imperfect. We're all sinners. We're all full of ego and pride. And, you know, our minds are wicked. And so you can't just have this open fanfare, you know, love is love mentality because that's not what you base your belief system on. You base it on the truth. You know, this this new world religion of, of love ignores the need for living a moral life. It ignores humility. It ignores obedience. And we, you know, we get so triggered by that word obedience. Oh my gosh. But, you know, that's because you're projecting a human version of trauma when you obeyed someone and they misused your trust. You're projecting that onto the perfect being of the universe, which is God. You can't conflate the two, right? So obeying God and obeying a human being are two different stories. Vastly two different universes. Obeying God grants you freedom. That's that's the paradox. Is that we can't save ourselves. We cannot earn or work our way out of the problem of being human. So we have to surrender that problem by surrendering our will just as Jesus did, just as Mary did, just as all the examples throughout the Bible of people who surrendered themselves and in return were given life, were given the Holy Spirit, were given these fruits that set them free. That's the way to salvation. That's the way to freedom. That's the way, the true way of personal growth, quote unquote. It's it's growing in the spirit. It's growing in your ability to be humble. You know, growing in your ability to surrender. It's the opposite paradigm. It's the opposite paradigm of taking responsibility. I mean, you're still taking responsibility, but in a, in a, to a different end. See, personal growth in New Age is about growing yourself and growing your impact in the world or, you know, whatever. Again, self-worship. True personal growth is about growing in your ability to surrender growing in your ability to value truth over pleasure, growing in your ability to to pray, to cooperate with the divine, right? To, to live a moral life, to have self-restraint, which is so hard today. That's what true personal growth is, and that's what true productivity is. It's a measure of the spirit, right? And, and one more thing, you know, this kind of just came to me. A lot of these talks are always freestyle, but being spiritual or meditating, I should say, from a biblical perspective is very much an active thing that we do. You know, God gave you an intelligence. He gave you an intuition. He gave you curiosity and he gave you a conscience. Now, he gave you all these different things that, you're, that allow you to 
interact in the world to use discernment, to tell what's right from wrong, to listen, to see the bigger picture, to analyze if you need to, to do the detail work. He gave you all those faculties because where you truly exist is nowhere at all. We exist as information, right? Your body's constantly changing and yet you, the sense of who you are remains the same. And that's consciousness, that's your information. That's why the whole point of what Jesus talked about in the Bible says constantly, it's about changing who you are on the inside, meaning the information, your belief systems, how you see the world, to see clearly. It's not what you see with your eyes, but with the eyes of the spirit. And all of that comes from changing the information inside. But to change the information inside, to have that growth, requires diligent meditation. Meditation in the sense of I'm meditating on a, on a particular topic. I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm wrestling with it. You know, we, we pray, we walk, we communicate, just talk openly to God. We ask for guidance. We maybe fall for some false paths and then we return again. That's what, you know, God gave us the ability to reflect, to be self-aware. That is the whole point, is so that we discover the truth, okay? And to change our being from the inside out. And when the information changes inside you, then so do you bear different fruit, right? That's why you can tell somebody what they are on the inside from the fruit that they bear on the outside. There's plenty of verses about that. It's very, very plain and, and easy metaphor. And so... This is the final thing I want to mention, which is sort of, it's part of the new age, it's part of, again, everything is merging now from Zen and Eastern mysticism to new age to personal growth. It's all coming to one. It's all coming to one religion. And so you have to use discernment. You have to use discernment and see that this is coming. This is the truth. Okay. It's all blending in this quasi new age movement. And another arm of that that I didn't mention is this whole non-dualist aspect, which is the idea that the solution to being human, which is death and suffering, you know, those are the problems that we deal with and that only Christ can offer a legitimate solution to, to, to help us be free, to truly be free. The solution, according to these principles, is to eliminate the self altogether. It's to meditate in the sense of clearing your mind and, and you know, sort of do nothing, you know, and tune into nothingness. Well, there's so many problems with that because first and foremost, let's put it this way, and we'll, we'll go from the least Christian view or least religious view, I guess. I don't even like religious. I just think a Christian perspective to a more non, more broader perspective. So the broader perspective is this. When you clear your mind and you're trying to disengage from those God-given traits, from your discernment, from your... Um, you know, intelligence from your intuition, from all those things that make you you and self-aware. When you're trying to eliminate those things, you essentially say, I don't want to play the game anymore. And at first that feels liberating, doesn't it? It feels like, oh gosh, I'm free of all the meaning making that I'm making in my mind. I feel liberated. I just feel nothingness and peace. But the more you do that, the more you disengage from those mental faculties, which are there to help you discern the truth and change the information inside your soul and your consciousness so that your consciousness can be different and so that you can save yourself. 
And so you're disengaging from that process. You're trying to, you're essentially believing that you're smarter than the creator, that you can hack the system and do a better job. And so not only is it fundamentally based on pride, if you really think about it, even though sort of the end is to not have a self, which is ironic, right? It's based on pride, which is on the pride that you can hack the system to sort of change the operating system. You know, there's a sense of pride in that or, or an assumption of pride, which is ironic again, because the whole goal of those practices is to eliminate the self. And so that's the, that's the first problem is that, you know, you're, you're really going against the grain with that and you're not allowing your information to be changed because if there is an afterlife, then you're screwed. You spent this entire life trying to be neutral when the whole point was to change your being, your consciousness, so that you could be in the afterlife forever, right? So that's a big gamble to me. Whether you're Christian or not, or you believe in afterlife, the point is there are arguments for it that we won't get to here. You know, for example, near-death experiences and shared-death experiences, that's, that's a big one. But whether you believe in it or not, it's a gamble, isn't it, right? So I would rather be right and you know, not miss out on eternity than to be wrong and miss out on eternity (laughs) because I was doing the wrong things in life and and wasting away my mind. So the second interpretation or the second response to that. So the first one was broader. You know, we just talked about how it's kind of this illusion that's based on pride and and you're trying to hack the system and so on. But a more faith-based approach is you know the more you look at these things when you're trying to clear your mind and, and doing mantras and you know all these practices they're tied to mysticism eastern mysticism and, and eastern occult practice and if you know anything about the occult occult is the occult no matter what practice you're going into it's you believing that you're you know this wizard and you know trying to hack reality and, and get some sort of outcome you're, you're trying to Take the role of God. And whether you realize that or not, all these practices are based on occult mystical practices to either create something in the world with your intention or to become a portal, you know, for some sort of higher, supposedly higher entities, higher being, higher vibration, whatever you want to call it. But ultimately, look, if you're not grounded in the Holy Spirit, Again, the more you study these things and you more study the history of the earth, again, so many can of worms here, I'm opening them up, but we've already been doing this now for 40 something minutes. But look, the more you study, the more you realize there's really only two forces out there, this good and evil. There really are, there's God and the Holy Spirit, which guides you back towards life and freedom and good fruits by living a moral life and being constantly in this sort of thy will be done mentality and there are evil spirits there's demons demons are real and demons don't necessarily mean frothing at the mouth and stabbing all your relatives but um you know a demon could show up to you as an angel of light as a palladian as an alien as a past life as a as a relative as uh, an energy being from the ninth dimension. I mean, look, the, the, the lies are endless. Because why? Because demons want to fool you into worshiping yourself so that you do not develop moral character, so that you don't find the truth and save 
not save yourself, but that you're saved because you don't, there's nothing you and I can do to save ourselves. And that's exactly, demons know the truth. You know, the enemy, if the enemy, if you were the enemy, the thing that you would want to do is make sure that nobody knew you existed. And so you have to really remember that, that evil is real. So unless you're specifically grounded in the Holy Spirit, these things make you a portal and they train you to be a portal to suggestions, to, you know, possession, to all kinds of nasty things. And so now we come circle back, right? Full circle to coaching and my perspective on personal growth. And it's just, uh, yeah, you know, it's these types of things I used to be heavily involved in. And now it's like, okay, you realize that all these things are illusions. So where I'm at is, listen, <laughs> everything you need to know has already been said. Here's where it is. And point people back to Jesus and his life and his example. And mind you, no specific religion here. I don't really, I think religion has been infiltrated heavily. So it's not about religion. It's it's about the truth. And anybody with with a wise understanding of history and everything that I just talked about in very brief, and we could probably talk for another three hours on all these things, but in brief, if you get what I'm talking about, what I'm putting out, then you will understand that there are paths that lead to truth, and there are paths that, that seem like they lead to truth, but they're half-truths, and they lead you to a, a dead end, right? And so you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Use discernment. Pray for guidance. Take walks regularly. I love taking walks because I always learn something. Holy Spirit always pops a little idea into my head, and I'm very grateful for that, and I'm very grateful for everything I've learned, and I still have so much to learn. It never ends. Humility is an endless paradigm. And so when you can flip that paradigm, when you can flip the paradigm from pursuing things for yourself and defining your life purpose according to yourself and what you want to achieve to a paradigm based on humility and truth. Okay, what can I do to serve God? What can I do to be a better person so I can love my neighbor as myself? (laughs) That's true personal growth. So... That is, that is true personal growth. And I, I pray that that message finds you today, wherever you are, and that you share it with those you care about too, because I believe people need to, to learn the truth, to not be deceived. So, God bless. 